F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote in The Great Gatsby, I love her, and that's the beginning and end of everything. Frank Sinatra once said, a simple I love you means more than money. And Reese Witherspoon once offered, you always gain by giving love. We tend to listen to the advice of many celebrities on the subject of love. But when you look around and you wonder, how are we doing on matters of love? Not so sure. We see so many broken relationships, divorces, people often who overperform in their careers, but vastly underperform on the one thing we are told from birth that is more important than anything, and that's to love and to be loved. With people so intent on finding the love of their life, the man of my dreams, she's the one. But for all the training we receive to become a professional athlete, an actor, a banker, or an accountant, how many courses have we actually taken on love? What are we doing wrong? Well, our guest today asserts in a wonderful book called Love Coach Confessions, the truth about love, that we are led to believe that since birth, we somehow magically know how to love. In this book, he debunks the myths about what we think we know about it and turns it upside down. His brutally honest approach is the exact opposite of what we think we know. The reality is we haven't been taught at all, and therein lies both the problem and the opportunity to listen to someone who, through years of fieldwork on all matters of love and relationship, finally tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about love. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. I'm Chuck Garcia, and very proud to welcome Alex Cormont. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me and for the kind words. I really appreciate it. is my pleasure. Well, when I read your book as I was prepping for the show, it was so refreshing and it was so honest. But let me get a few words in here first. Our show today is sponsored by Climber, C-L-M-B-R. Climber is the most efficient full-body cardio and strength fitness machine available with instructor-led on-demand climbing and fitness classes. To learn more about Climber, C-L-M-B-R, that's Climber, no vowels, and to purchase one at a 20% discount, just click get.climber.com. That's get.clmbr.com and input the code Chuck 20 for the discount. Well, Alex, what I loved about your book, it was interesting in your career. You always dreamed of becoming a professional basketball player, but somehow you took a different turn. So let me explain for Alex, Alex to, to our audience. Alex is a love coach. You may not know what that is. Maybe he invented it. He has over a million followers, has trained thousands of people on the art and science of love, and has the distinction of being perhaps the number one or the most recognized love coach in France, if not in all of Europe. So Alex, you, your, your book debunks so many of the myths about what we think we know about love. But first, you didn't set out to be a love coach. Tell us it was an interesting story on the path to becoming a basketball player that didn't happen at all. What happened? So thank you so much for this question. As you just said, basketball was all my life. 
I grew up in Paris, the big city in France. And I moved when I was 14 years old. I moved from my parents' house to play for another city because in France, you don't play for your school. You play for the city. So I moved there. It was all my dream. I was playing basketball a lot. And when I got 19 years old, I played the world championship for 19-year-old and under people. And after that, I just broke my knee. And that was a terrible moment for me because I just got the best life ever. I was doing what I love. My family was strong. They're loving me. They supported me. So when you're 19 years old, you, uh, you just want to play and you just want to be the, this famous basketball player. And all my friends, there is a lot of friends of mine that are in NBA today. And all of them, we were all together. And in just one fraction of a second, you just lose everything because you can't walk, you can't play basketball, you have to reinvent yourself. And that was a very difficult moment for me. That was yeah. a very Yeah, and what was interesting though, in spite of the adversity, you turned that adversity into opportunity because people were calling you, telling you about their lives. And all of a sudden something began to change, which I think is the root of your transformation. What were they asking you? And then what were you offering in response? So basically when I got to college, I just realized there is a lot of people that has the fear, fear to speak in public, fear to talk to a woman, fear to be themselves. And me coming from basketball, I had someone that helped me with NLP, hypnosis, helped me just control my brain and my fears. So people came to me and asked me, Alex, how can I be happy? How can I be myself? How can I talk in public? And my best friend was in a relationship and he was always crying when he was not with her. When he was not with his girlfriend, he was sad and depressed. And he told me, Alex, I need your help. And I helped him just realize the codependency, realize that you cannot put your happiness in someone else's hands. That's not good for you. And that's not good for that person. And once I helped him just save a relationship, become happy in his love life, I told myself, I remember this moment, I told myself, Alex, you're so good. You need to be a love coach. <laughs> and so this is where I started to give people what I've learned about controlling your brain, your emotions, and not putting your happiness in someone else's hands. Right. What I found particularly as a coach myself, I'm an executive coach for a particular skill set, and I coach for both communications and emotional intelligence. Yet when we think about the things of love, we, we think of all of the advice that we hear, be with the one you love. But what's interesting is your development as a coach, as you reference neuro-linguistic programming, mm -hmm. the development of other skills that people don't normally associate with how to love and how to be loved. Did you come to that conclusion over time or did you think we need to teach these other things to help people how to love? To be honest, I started with this idea and the reason why, and people around me told me this many times, Alex, you're crazy because I was not reading books about love. Right. I was not trying to follow a mentor. I told myself, I would talk to people, I would coach them. And based on what they are telling me, I would create something different, something special. Right. And so my number one idea was, we don't know how to love. 
So for me, I was thinking that I was doing the right actions, but in reality, I was selfish. I was not loving that person for what they want, but for what I want. And basically I just realized that we didn't receive any, edu any education, how to communicate, how to touch, how to love, how to receive love. There's a lot of questions. And so I started to work on this and in France, I was the number one doing it. So maybe that's why it took off, but it stick to my philosophy of, I don't want to read books. I don't want to follow any other ideas. I just come from the field. And this is my biggest, um, what can I say? It's really my biggest goal and my biggest achievement because this is what I'm the most proud of coming from the field and from experience. This, is, this was my idea. Well, it's really interesting because that allowed you the opportunity to really invent this when particularly in the book you noted, I don't remember it was your sister, but somebody said to you, love coach, there's no certifications. You don't go to college for this. You don't get an MBA in love. How can that be? Yet you were able to, in the capitalist world, the market valued what you were doing in the service of other people's lives. That's a great opportunity. It was a great opportunity. Uh, you know, I got, I can tell people, I got my master's degree, I trained coaching, I trained NLP. I don't feel that they care about my degree. They really care about what I'm bringing to them, right. what I'm telling to them. Yeah. And they want something different. They want to understand relationship. And for me, it was really about providing results. So when I coach someone, I want them to get the results, to find love, to save their relationship, to be happy, to be more confident. This is exactly what I wanted to do. And during a long time, I, I got this communication with other coaches and psychologists and me, Alex, but you need to train yourself. You need to read books. You need to understand what is love for other authors. And I said, no, I don't want to influence myself. The only book that I read was the five love languages. You and the that in why, yeah. And the reason why it's because I came to see my best friend and I told him something that is part of my philosophy. We love people the way we want to receive love. Right. So basically, I will give everything for the people I love and I expect them to do the same. But sometimes the love language is not the same. So when I told my best friend about it, I was very proud of myself. I was thinking that I got the, you know, the God nuggets, the best thing in the world. And he said, yes, but Gary Chapman wrote a book about it. And that's why I went to the love, the five love languages. And they are just amazing. But there was something more fundamental. And I really appreciated references to a couple great books. One was Gary Chapman also was Cialdini's The Psychology of Influence, The Importance of Persuasion. And I really liked the reference because those are books that we normally associate, particularly Cialdini's, to coaching people at a more executive professional level, when in fact, what you're stating, this is as applicable to love as it is to be in a CEO. But you started the book with a really important premise, and I want everyone to key in on this. And, it, and, and it, let me state just what it is. Happiness comes from being in a relationship that once you fill the void, if you are feeling unhappy, this will fill the void and this will solve your problem. But your assertion, 
Well, that may be, but that's not the right approach because we are influenced that we can't be happy unless we are in the service of giving love to someone else. Tell us about why you started that because I think it was a great place to begin. Because as people, the social value is, are you in a relationship? No, oh my God, you should be unhappy. Oh my God, you should be sad. And it's not true. And that's the reason why there is so much breakup and divorce. Because we, when we enter in a relationship where we need our partner to make us happy. And that's a huge mistake. And I experienced this personally before to get married, before to be in a relationship. I decided to be happy with myself, with my family, with my friends, with my mission as a relationship expert. Right. But this is something that people are forgetting. We always seek happiness outside. Oh, I need to be in a relationship. And when we are in a relationship, we forget about ourselves. And the result is simple. Codependency. Number one reason of breakup and divorce. It's not infidelity. It's not the routine. It's the fact that we love someone so much that they will suffocate from this situation. Right. And so I decided to fight this since day one. Yeah, well, really, um, you expand on that. What I found interesting is the path that you were taking is a statement that I think is counterintuitive. And you stated, don't try to fill every one of your partner's needs. That doesn't work. We, we tend to forget about ourselves and we are so fixated on the happiness of the others. Why is it important that we first love ourselves before we can figure out how to love someone else. You know what is very important is most of the time we try to feed the part, our partner needs, right? We try to give them what they want. But as a human being, we don't know what we want. We have some ideas, but in reality, in today's society, what we want is to be inspired and to discover new emotions. I always give this simple example. Before to eat your favorite meal, could be pizza, pasta, whatever, you didn't know that this would become something that you truly love. It's the same in relationship. You need to make your partner feel new emotion, discover something from you. So instead of giving them what they want, you need to give them something that they have never experienced before. But in order to do that, you need to love yourself. You need to know your value. You need to know what are your passions. And you need to play with this. But this is something that most of the time we will not do. What we will do is, let's forget myself. They want this, so I will give them this. It's not a good idea. You will not be unique. And this is part of my philosophy. Being unique makes relationships stronger. Yet there's a big disconnect here because what you're asserting, many people will say, Alex, that's so selfish. And if I'm going to give love and get love, how can I bring selfishness to this relationship? Because if I do that, I, I'm never going to maximize the co-love. Talk to us about that selfishness. Is it in fact selfish? And is that a bad thing? It is selfish. And it is a good thing if you're <laughs> a good person. Right. Because I see so many people, good health, good qualities, good personality, good person. They put themselves on the side. And so what will happen? They will never bring these good and qualities to the world. Right. So being selfish 
I, you know, in France, we have different words to say this word. But being selfish, if you are a good person, the only one thing that you will do is to provide happiness to others. You will provide everything good to other people because you will allow yourself to be yourself. You will allow yourself to speak, to propose actions, to do dates, activities, and basically to put your personality on the top, which is what I recommend you to do. Because if you're not selfish, you will try to respond to your, to your partner needs, but no one knows their needs. And if you are just giving them what they want, they will take you for granted. Indeed. There was also a really interesting part of the book that, I, uh, that really struck me. And you referenced the book, Women Are From Venus, Men Are From Mars. But what you said is we tend to think that we fall into gender stereotypes, that men are a certain way, that women are a certain way, but particularly in this world of love where, where, where it doesn't have to be men and women, what you concluded is the problems are the same. It's not just about the man does this and the woman does this. It's not as gender specific as we tend to think. How did you come to that conclusion? By coaching people that are homosexual, gay. Mm-hmm. I just realized that women with women, men with men, they have exactly the same problem as men with women. So right. I just realized that it's not just a gender. I cannot say it's prove, it was proven scientifically that scientifically, sorry, that men and women are different. Of course, it's okay. But what I want to show in my book, when I want to, when I want to give to the world is it's not a matter of your sex. It, there is a lot of things your culture, your childhood, your personality, your qualities, your flaws, this is the most important thing. And if you go just way beyond just the sex, you will be able to understand your partner. And by understanding your partner, you will be able to create a real magical relationship. But just just separated men and women for me was not enough. And I'm really glad you said that because I think part of our defense mechanism when, when we have trouble in the relationships, we tend to generalize, ah, oh, he's a guy, guys do this, and oh, females, they do this. Thank you for bringing that to light. I thought that was really a sign of the modern times and help us to rethink that it's not just this division binary between men and women, but we're human beings. We have the same problems. And I appreciate that. And I wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, and something that I can add is it's crazy, but I coach more and more people and I realize that men tend to have a feminine behavior and women tend to have a man behavior. So sometimes it's really inter- interesting to look at their past because it's always the past, the past sorry, that explain our behavior today. Uh, in fact, I want to get to that in just a second. So you are listening to A Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation on Chuck Garcia. And my guest today is the wonderful Alex Cormont, author of a beautiful book of a love coach. And what he does, he dis- d- debunks so many of the myths. And our show today is, bought by, is brought to you by Climber, C-L-M-B-R, reinventing fitness, the fitness revolution about what it means to be fit. To learn more about Climber, go to Get dot clmbr.com and if you're interested in buying a machine you can get a 20 percent discount by putting in chuck 20. alex i want to expand on this and then i want to get to some of the techniques that you mentioned to the book but really in in interesting how you talk about the dynamic about when men and women get together it doesn't necessarily mean that genders do something different all of a sudden something begins and often 
people begin to immediately want to please and they want to feel like, yes, I'm approachable and I'm lovable. But you talk about a technique that is something slightly different. And it's called, if you chase me, I'll run. And I thought that was cool because I was always reading that. I said, wait a minute, do people really think like this? Can you expand on that tactic and its implication toward what happens when relationships begin to evolve? Yes. And I would say something that maybe people would think it's crazy, but I have to say it. Love and attraction is a game. It is a game. There is something to create together. In French, we say, suis-moi, je te suis, suis-moi, je te fuis. It means chase me, I will run. And if I run, and if you run, sorry, I will chase you. So this is part of human nature. We have to say, and this is coming from Cialdini, we love what we don't have. Simple. The concept of scarcity. Exactly. So what is happening in today's world? I will use an example because I'm seeing this every single day. We meet someone and in the beginning, the man will be very involved because it's his job. So I'm not doing gender, (laughs) but I can tell that we have to be involved. You know, we have to be involved. Women, they are skeptical. So during the first weeks and maybe months, they will not truly be themselves. They will just look at him and say, maybe he's a good guy, maybe not. But once they start to be involved in a relationship, they become too needy, too available. And that's a big change. So I teach women and I teach men to understand this game of we value what we don't have. So if you show from your personality that you are unique, you can make this, you can make them discover new emotions. You can just show them something specific. They will always be after you. They will always be interested. But once you start to chase them, there is no chance because as human, we don't value what we have. We just don't give any interest to what we have. So I came up with this idea of saying love and attraction is a game. Make sure that this person will chase you. Either you're a man or a woman, we have to play this game. And we have, if we accept this, everything would change. But most of the time, we, we just want to say, oh, I want a relationship like my parents, my grandparents. I want something easy. I just want a partnership. But not today's world. We have to live in today's world. We have to play the game of flirting and charming. And so I bring a little bit of French in this philosophy. Well, I appreciate that. But really what you led to in the book as you continue to talk about this art of seduction and, and, and the fun and the games that we play, it was interesting how you talked about once people then begin to settle into that love, you talked about the concept that love is not self-sufficient, that love needs to be fueled, it needs to be fed. We spend years in our professions learning and relearning what we do. That's how we stay current and fresh. Why don't we do that when we find love and settle into this complacency? I just feel, Chuck, you know, I remember my father telling me, but if you love each other, everything will be great. Right. And, you know, like this is coming from our parents. I love my father, you know. Right. No, that you spoke fondly son. of your dad. Yeah, and I, my, my heart was out to you as you described the passing of your dad. I, I feel that. But he gave you advice that 
to him. And your mom said, yeah, your father, he was not a man of many words. That was part of the book because your mom described your dad and here your dad is giving that advice. Why was it not such great advice? It is the worst advice in the world. But that was coming from his heart, you know? Because I know my father, if he was with my mother, that means that he would give everything to her, everything to his children. He, gives, he gave his life to me. That's love. Right. But I just feel that today's world, this society of conception, we just want to love to get the new stuff and everything. We need something different. So if we think that just because we love each other, it's enough, it's not true. There is something just above love and it's happiness. We have to provide happiness to each other. And when we have this in mind, then we can just fuel the love and not fall into the routine because that's something that destroyed love. So loving each other, I'm so sorry, is not enough. Yeah, and I want to expand on one other thing. When you reference Gary Chapman's book on, the, on, on love languages, you talked about words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, being giftful, acts of service and physical touch. But you went on to say something else that I thought was really important. And that is this concept of interpretation filters and that they often cause a mismatch in expectation. How do we tend to interpret things differently, whether it's men, women, or just human beings in general? Why is this so important to understand how you filter what it is you are receiving? I have seen so many people being unhappy in a relationship, in a marriage, saying, Alex, he didn't say anything to me. He didn't say, I love you. And then when you ask question, you realize that he didn't say, I love you, but it's showing by actions, you know? So our filters ask what we want. What we want is very important for us. But what we need to understand is how my partner is acting and reacting in love and showing his feelings or her feelings. So I wanted to give to the world this idea of you have to make sure to not just focus on what you want or what you expect, because this is something that is very important also. We expect people to act like we want, and if they're not doing it, that's create an argument or a problem in the relationship. So this is exactly what I told you just a little bit before, when I say we love the way that we want to receive love. When I understood this, it just completely changed all of my relationship, not just my love life, all of my relationships. And so basically I want people to know that they will interpret their, their partner reaction, actions, words, but with their past. So basically, if you hear, I love you and you're not, um, or can I say you're not used to, would be scared. And that's an interpretation because of your past. Nobody told you I love you before. So that's what I wanted to bring. It's all past, all just experience, everything that we have lived just play a big role in today's relationship. Yeah. In fact, you, you speak often of understanding the past, looking to the future, but when it comes to the present, to be present in the moment, but Myth number 17 was love is at the center of everything. And many people think, well, if we just love each other, that's going to be fine. When in fact, you say, no, it's about the mindset that we develop. Talk about the development of or the recommendation of how we should think about our past and our future as the path 
to being loving and to be loved? So basically what I want people to experience is when you look at our past, it's always breakup, mistakes, sadness, whatever you have experienced. If you look at your past, it's always the difficult moment. And so because of this past, we are not allowed to dream. We are not allowed to build our future. And when we are in the present moment, we have the fear, fear of experiencing the same pain. So what I want you to do now is really to feel the moment, to enjoy the moment and to be active. I love this world because I want you to be in your relationship or in your dating process, active, to organize things, to enjoy, to create moments that you really want to live. That was my goal. I wanted to teach people, it's not about love, it's about enjoying the moment. It's about being yourself. It's about putting your personality first. That's all about my philosophy. It's like, take something from your personality and show it to the world. And you will see that at this moment, you will be able to enjoy the moment, create your future, and just accept your past. We will not overcome it because it's part of us, but we need to accept our past. Yeah, and so much of that advice is offered in your book, and I want to finish with that, but why did you write the book, and who did you write it for? That's a good question, very emotional, because as you said, everything that I've built was because I lost my father. The day I lost him, I just realized everything that he was teaching me, and I realized that I was doing a lot of mistakes in my relationship with my friends, with my family, with everyone. And that was a, the most difficult moment in my life, but also a blessing because I was able to grow as a man. So I wanted to write this book because I realized that a lot of people, maybe 90% of people are just going the wrong way and they suffer. They suffer and they feel that there is no solution. So this book was, maybe there is an alternative. Maybe there is another way, another path that you can use to feel yourself, find your way, find your why, and just be happy in your love life, but not just in your love life. Be happy in your life. Just take control of your life. That was my goal. And I think that was a key message as I was reading the book, because so much of your advice, it it, it dispelled the myth of this love, this passion. It wasn't like that at all. It was very personal. It was very developmentally focused. It's using the modern methods of communication, of influence, of persuasion, of language, of the way that we learn to speak. And tell us about your coaching practice. What is the model by which you help people besides stepping on the stage and getting in front of big crowds when it comes to helping either one or many individuals with their specific problems How do you do it? It's a very good question because people are thinking that I'm still crazy. I have, as you said, millions of people following me and I'm still doing one-on-one coaching. And I just say, I will die doing one-on-one coaching because this is just so fulfilling for me. So basically, I just want to say that doing coaching is very important. This is where I just get all of these ideas because I can coach men and women from all over the world and all all of the ages. My practice is very simple. I will try to understand the root of the problem because when people come and ask you a question, that's the consequences. 
that's what we see if we imagine an iceberg it's like what you can see but what is under the water is the most important thing so we try to understand the wood and we will work on this so this person will feel that our life or his life is just changing a lot so I'm coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. I follow them by email. I give them my support. And I'm very driven and oriented into results. So they come with a goal. And my mission is to respond to their goal. Great. And if somebody wants to find you, please offer your website name and then the name of your book. I want them to hear it in your voice. For sure. So the book will be on my website, French relationship expert. So we didn't talk about it, but yes, I'm French. So <laughs> my accent. So if you go on my website, French relationship expert, I have created this book, Love Coach Confessions, the truth about love. And this book is a bestseller in France, in Europe, Amazon bestseller, um, but it's for free in English. So I translate it and I just want to give it to you for free if you come to my website. I will be more than happy and I hope it will help and we can continue this communication, this conversation together. Mm -hmm. So just come to French Relationship Expert, you have free gift. Well, I read it. I really enjoyed it. It was candid. I love the honesty. It was brutally honest because it didn't pull any punches. It spoke the truth. It was also a lot of both historical perspective on what, Al what led Alex to wake up every day and go to work in the service of someone else's happiness. And it wasn't just about love. It was about a fulfilling life that love plays a part of it. But the first person that we should focus on if we're gonna to get to maximize love is ourselves. And I really appreciated that message, Alex, because so many books on the subject is you gotta be giving, you, and, and all of that is good. But thank you for bringing that honesty that it's okay to be selfish. But your point, as long as you're a good person, then you can go to love. Yeah, this is how I learned to say no. I was this one that was a people pleaser and I was really happy. But right. the day I say no, because I need to also honor myself. And it could be in a relationship, it could be with friends. When I just decided that I would introduce my wife to basketball because this is my passions. Right. Just change our relationship. I felt that the connection was, and she had never been to them. And she was asking me a lot of questions. But I just love this connection and the same for her. So I just want to bring this to the world. You need to trust yourself and you need to do things to introduce people into your world and not just the opposite. Indeed. And thank you. So to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to our sponsor, Climber, C-L-M-B-R, to look at the innovation, wonderful innovation in fitness climbing. The mountaineer in me loves this. You go to get.clmbr.com. And if you're interested in a pre-order for the machine, you can type in the code Chuck20. But most important, Alex, I am grateful, one, that we came into each other's lives, but also that you brought your wonderful work into the universe. So I want to say thank you, not just from, from one coach to another, but this is so important yet so misunderstood. And for that, thank you so much. And one last thing, Alex, I think this is an opportunity for you to speak to the audience. And if you were to tell them one particular piece of advice, what do you want them to do when this show is over? What would it be? I just want to say one thing. In today's world, you don't have to wait to suffer 
before to change. That was my mistake. Good point. I had to learn my father. I have to learn, sorry, my father in order to become this man, in order to find these amazing books that I didn't read before. So right. please don't wait to get divorced. Don't wait to be in this bad situation to change, not just in your love life, but in every aspect of our life today with this pandemic, with everything that is happening, but we still have the power and it's today that you need to control your life and do whatever you want. Don't wait to suffer, please. Great advice. Get ahead of this. We can all find our path to happiness, but you don't have to wait for a tragedy to, to change or to turn about what is otherwise a life you're trying to live of happiness when all of a sudden tragedy strikes. It doesn't have to be that way. Alex Cormont, thank you so much for coming on to A Climb to the Top. Thank you so much, Chuck. I really appreciate our time. Thank you so much to the listeners. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. And we are signing off. Good night. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.